Welcome to Frameline. I'm Barbara Gosowski here today with my favorite co-host, Courtney Small. Hello. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? Oh, I'm doing very well. Thanks. Good. Well, today we're going to continue our coverage of hot dogs. Uh, you can still stream films until May the 9th. So Courtney's going to start us off with one of our recommendations. Yes. Um, one film I, I saw that I think listeners might be interested in checking out is a film called Bengala Surf Girls. And it's a film about these three young girls living in Bangladesh who are part of this boys and girls surf club. And it's one of the rare surf clubs in the region that actually allows girls to participate. And through the act of surfing, they not only get a sense of joy and pride, but it also helps them to relieve a lot of the stresses that come with their, their day-to-day life. And as the film progresses and you get to know the girls a, a little bit more, you realize that they're, they're dealing with a lot of heavy stuff. Um, these are girls between the age of 13 to 15 and in some of their households, that's the age where they should be, they should be married off. Um, in one particular girl's case, she's opposed to that. And to, to, you know, for the family to make money, the aunts and uncles kind of convince her mother to, um, get, put her into the working world and they kind of fake a passport with, and make her seem like she's age 25 and even that illegal act itself has other ramifications that appear later on in the film. And if it wasn't for the coach of this organization who kind of pulled her out and said, hey, what's going on here? You know, it shows you many ways that the life for, for young girls in, in Bangladesh are, are stifled, not only by patriarchy, but just a society that views young girls as essentially objects or or vessels to get money from and and to provide for for the family so it's a really interesting film it it ends on a on a on a hopeful note but at times it is heavy just to think of like what these women have to go through and also how they are viewed by the males in the community is also very very disturbing so it's 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 one that i i would recommend checking out that reminds me of a film that I saw, uh, The Spokeswoman, in terms of, you know, fighting a woman, fighting uh, to be heard, which, you know, I just defined the persister program in Hot Docs, <laughs> right, which this is part of The Spokeswoman. Um, and uh, so this is about the first female uh, to become want to become a candidate for president of Mexico. And uh, this indigenous woman, she gets the support of all the different indigenous groups in Mexico. And so this is really very much a story about people rallying around someone. And it's also very much a story about how they are breaking down those barriers. Like they're, they're fully aware, she's fully aware. And a lot of her supporters are really aware that, you know, this is a woman that everyone has decided to back. And uh, there's a lot of talk about how just we just have to get behind her. We have to come together uh, as a, a varied Indigenous community t- to get this one candidate on the ballot, at least. Um, and so 
the film follows her around as she goes, she has to go throughout all of Mexico to gain support to get on the ballot, but also to, to make sure that she reaches everyone, that everyone gets to know her. Like it's part of her, it's part of her beliefs. It's part of her, her vision as a leader. She doesn't want, you know, she's always reinforcing that she's not the leader. She is, you know, the vessel, you use the word vessel in a different way. So I'm going to use it in a different way. She's, she's a vessel for everyone else. Like she leads according to what everyone wants. She's not, you know, at the top, um, talking down to people like that. So, so this sort of notion of this leadership, uh, you know, not someone who's higher up, um, but also a leader who's like trying to reach out and trying to get to know people. And because the structure of the film is so, so open uh, and, and kind of freestyle, it's, it's so beautifully captures um, not just her and, and her visions and her dreams of what she wants to see happen, you know, if she becomes president. Uh, but it's also, it, it stops and it pauses on other people. So we get to hear in all the different regions, like we get to hear from different people and their beliefs and, and like their struggles. Like, everyone is so open and honest in this film about their personal stories and what they have gone through and, and especially things like losing land, you know, because people just take land from indigenous peoples, you know, this is, this is unfortunately the pattern across the world. Right. Um, and even, even though it doesn't end the way we all want it to, she, through this journey and through our journey with her, we we're all sort of richer for it because mm -hmm. it's just been so open and honest and it's given everyone involved and, and hopefully us as viewers, at least me, um, it's given us a sort of a more progressive view of what change can be, you know? Yeah, that's, that sounds very interesting. It reminds me of one that I watched um, called Seyran Ates sex revolution in islam and um sarah Nates is a muslim woman who is turkish born living in germany um, she's a human rights activist lawyer um you know basically she sees many things all at once but this film looks at her as a muslim woman who starts her own mosque and is one of the few um female imams in europe which you know, the fact that you have a woman in that role was already problematic for some people. And, you know, the film opens up with just her reading out the vile, hateful comments that she constantly receives on social media and whatnot. And, you know, she's an activist. Her mosque, she's opened it up so that not only can men and women pray together, which is something that doesn't normally happen in mosques, but also she's opened it up to the LGBTQ plus community because you know she's part of that community herself so there's so many different layers to that but they but they use her experiences and the the hate she receives to foster a deeper conversation on the nature of of hate and also in the muslim world how patriarchy 
has kind of fueled a lot of the the hate and hypocrisy that are are thrown out. So she she talks about how you know there's more anger towards her than there is to extremists who commit terrorist acts. And and why is that? You know, what is it about her life that um, so many people are upset about? And it, it's a really interesting, um, I would say, inspiring look at society, but also what we could be if we really looked at the nature of hate and the hypocrisy of men. Um, so, yeah, it's a very, very fascinating film. So I'd recommend people check that one out as well. And you saw one, uh, I think you saw, was it Threshold? Do you want to talk about that? Yes. yes. In terms of, you know, the patriarchy and, and people sort of re-examining things, Threshold is definitely uh, something that you, you should watch. Um, in any case, it's a fascinating film. So it's, it's not just, I shouldn't have said, said should. It's a film that I found extraordinarily fascinating. Uh, it's, a, it's a very intimate and personal film. Um, Brazilian filmmaker Horacio Ruiz, um, she's following the gender transition of her teenage son, Noah. So it takes place over a few years as she starts the process and you know starts to ask questions of Noah at, in different stages of this transition different things come up for her uh which starts this process in the film of going back and forth in time and in doing that going back and forth she goes back to her own personal history and her own struggles against patriarchy, against conventional norms, against you know conventional uh, gender expectations as well, um, and that also brings in her her mother, the mother's mother's, the grandmother's uh, stories, so that uh, this this one story of this one individual Noah and the and the gender transition gets uh becomes this becomes this larger investigation of the nature of identity and the the entire film becomes like it sets up a structure where we're observing a multi-generational series of fights against established norms it's like a it's like a natural it becomes like a natural evolution that we're witnessing unfolding in front of us an evolution over time that's been compressed into this film and compressed so brilliantly this this is eye-opening this is intimate this is you know individuals breaking down barriers um this is an amazing film called threshold oh that sounds good and when you were talking about the nature of identity it reminded me of the film one of ours um, and that is a documentary about josiah wilson and he was um, a a baby that was adopted in haiti and raised by an indigenous family in calgary um, so he due to um, the i guess canada's laws he qualifies for indigenous status because you know he's part of the community whatever status the parents have the children whether they're um by blood or adopted 
can have that status as well. So, you know, he, all he's known is, is the um, Helsuk community. And as part of the community, they partake in a basketball tournament that happens in BC, which is a big indigenous basketball tournament. All the various tribes come together and they compete. And he competed in it for about two years. And then someone raised concerns and he got banned from it. And they tried to ban him because they claimed you have to have one eighth um, indigenous blood, which was uh, on the rule. So a lot of that, a lot of the film looks at the impact of him being denied access to, in theory, what, you know, the community that he's part of. And the Helsinki community is, was throughout this entire film and the experience were very supportive. You know, they, they keep saying he is one of ours. He, he is one of us, but this big tournament, there was a lot of back and forth, a lot of questionable things that happened. And even when it became like a big media storm and pressure, they eventually changed the law, you know, got rid of that particular rule, but some of the things that they agreed to do, they didn't follow through with. So there's a lot of tension with that. And then also as, you know, a bit of a subplot, he's also still reeling from his parents getting um, divorce. So even though they're still, you know, together in the sense that they both love the children, they're still very much in contact with the kids that him dealing with that. And then also being rejected from this tournament, you know, raises a lot of questions about identity and the film explores his experiences. Um, he has another sister that was also adopted um, in Haiti. Uh, her experiences compared to the biological siblings who are essentially, you know, white passing, you could say. So just how certain people are allowed to kind of navigate and pick and choose when they want to use or which um, gender the, or which nationalities they want to be associated with. Whereas Josiah pretty much had no choice from birth. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, as much as the community that he loves so much, they embrace him, but the, the larger indigenous community still has a lot of issues with regarding anti-blackness. And it's, it's really interesting look. And uh, you know, the film is basically about healing, but, how healing takes many different forms. And for some people like Josiah, it's, it's a lot harder to, to come by. So yeah, I'd, I'd say one of ours is, is one worth, worth checking out. Yeah. That sounds amazing. And I, I know you saw, was it Gaucho Americano? Did I say that right? Yeah. Gaucho Americano. Um, this is an interesting uh, film about two, two cultures in some, in some times it's two, the clash of two cultures. Um, and there's different things going on in terms of generational differences. And uh, anyway, I'll get to, uh, just tell you what the film is about. Um, it uh, it takes place in Idaho, and there are um, two Patagonian gauchos of varying ages. Like one is a bit older, middle age, and the other one's quite younger. And uh, they uh, have been brought in to work on a sheep farm so they're working you know in america in the sheep farming industry um on the same farm together so it's you know like a, a little microcosm if you will uh and both of them dream of making enough money to go back to chile to buy back the land that was stolen so 
what happens in the film it's 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 an incredible film really it's 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 got this unique point of view um in terms of being observational like you hear the words observational and verite and it's you know they they mean very little these days because it's like well that's documentary but it's like no it's you know when when you can follow people this closely and um and the filmmakers very smart about keeping when they speak and of their hopes and dreams keeping them in close-up uh it's so so to the point where we're, we're just feeling this intimate connection with each of them each of the two gauchos right and uh and then we can see the differences between them you know younger and older but then we start to see the differences in uh the the dynamics of the farm so this, this film is very it's just incredible in terms of the dynamics that start to happen and it, it's kind of you know it, when you describe it it's quite simple but what happens is is quite intense right and so what happens with within the film in terms of the dynamics between people and so then the dynamics you know as soon as uh you be, we become aware of this language barrier one of the owners can't can't speak at all uh you know with with the chileans he doesn't understand a word and so this so there's that dynamic but there's also some humor we're laughing at that guy because he you know and you know if you, for me i stopped to think about it why would you hire somebody you don't understand how, how do you expect to work with that person right so there's that sort of humorous thing that's going on and then and then you start to see uh yeah like i said do you start to see the changing the realities that sometimes come up in this type of situation and also mainly you start to see how new things have come into into play in farming um and then so you know old ways and new ways and uh and it's just incredibly well shot as well so it's just you know it really sucks you right into this world and i tell you you're you're a better person for it mm-hmm. that sounds that sounds really good and it's funny because i was thinking about um a film that i know we both watched uh gray roads when you were talking about just the changing community and also just being beautifully shot and that one's a i guess on the outside it's very much a very simplistic film in the sense that the director um goes back to his rural ontario community of markdale to just kind of get a glimpse of of that changing world and uh, you know he basically documents his father and his maternal grandfather just to get their their perspectives and what he ends up creating is a really interesting look at not only um, a small community, I would say on the cusp of change, still trying to grasp onto old ways, but also realizing that there were certain aspects to the old ways that were never that great to begin with. Um, exactly. Yeah. And a lot of those <clears throat> things relate um, directly to trauma but also just the notion of masculinity and yes. how the, the old notion of masculinity like his father is very much the 
tough, brash. I'm a I'm a biker. We played hockey. Where his maternal we drink, we we drink, drink. A lot. <laughs> yeah. Where his maternal grandfather is more about being a man is about helping those in need, you know, and yes. trying to provide. And they both have their their flaws. They both admit to not necessarily being the best husbands. Um, so it, it's just a really interesting look. I was surprised by how caught up I was in that film. Yeah, you know, it's because it's because it it, it sets up this whole it, it not just investigation of toxic masculinity and what what makes demand. I mean, those are two separate questions, right? Um, two separate but related questions. But it also because of you know because of what you said about the trauma that that seems to be there in everyone's lives. Um, it's we see that the roots of communication or lack of communication mm-hmm. come from those very backgrounds and so that you know at first it was very jarring to watch his father and these bikers and you know it's like whoa what the hell is with these guys but then as things he starts to you know get closer and closer to the root of things and then also with the dynamic of his mother's presence his mother isn't present in the film because she left the father, but her presence is there in her absence, in the fact that she left this. Uh, and what she says over the phone, we only hear it in voiceover, but what she says towards the end, it's like, that's that's it. That's that's the, the great takeaway from this film is what she says about what was happening in that community and why she had to get away from there. And, and in fact, that growth that she underwent and you can see her son, obviously, you know, taking a lot away from this. Yeah. And it's like a, it's almost like an unwritten or unspoken level of, of mental um, trauma yeah. as well. Like everyone trying to live up to a certain image or ideal, even though it's not the, the best for them so yeah gray roads very um very good film i was i was surprised by that one um do you want to talk about any given day yes in terms of um uh, struggles with mental illness uh, this is the film this is the film that um you know i i've already stated uh on social media i had to because when i was trying you know trying to sum up this film i just realized that this is one of the most moving testaments to human resilience that I've ever seen. And it's certainly one of the most moving in hot dogs in the very existence of the film is an act of bravery. It has, the film follows three people who are struggling with their mental health and who are struggling with a system that's not really well designed to help them deal with the mental health. And the filmmaker is also you find out later struggling and so the system is basically in chicago in cook county like anywhere else changes were made to mental health support systems and many of them were just taken away right so and you can say that about toronto you can say that about many places but in chicago they they started noticing that a lot of people who had mental health diagnoses ended up in jail. And so they're trying, they're trying. So they, they come up with this, this mental health court 
Cook County Mental Health Court, which is supposed to help people and which is supposed to not not get like necessarily the aim is not to put the people in jail. The aim is more like we're going to support you, but you have to do a lot of work here and put you on probation instead of sticking you in jail. But, you know, they set up a system where you're incentivized to like try and live on your own, to try and, you know, make it to, to take your medication, to, to do things like that. And, and you can see um, what was striking about the film is you can see how much these three individuals are struggling. They're very different people um, with different diagnoses and the bravery here is that they are being so open with someone. And of course they're, they're trusting the filmmaker because they know she's struggling with, with them. Um, but the bravery comes also from the fact that no matter what happens and over years, they, they continue to allow her to document it all, the ups and the downs. And when the downs are there, there's like, they're really down. And then the filmmaker herself, her struggles start to come into the film. And just the fact that everyone is being so open um, and that it's so relatable by, by people, by all of us, I think. I don't think you have to be diagnosed with schizophrenia to really understand someone struggling with some, with daily life, with issues, you know, these are individuals that, that need support, societal support. And it's sometimes it's hard to give it to them. And sometimes they make it hard, but we're all human. And when, you know, when have any of us not been, you know, thinking straight or stubborn or, you know, just deluding ourselves? When has that ever not been the case for any of us? Uh, so it's incredibly relatable and it's just so honest and like I said it's just such a such a portrait of resilience mm -hmm. uh, it was so striking no that, that sounds very very um, interesting and one I'll talk about which is um, slightly changing the the tone a bit is Zoe Rican and that is also it's not a film necessarily about mental health but it is a film about struggle and it is a film about that looks at haiti and how 11 years after the massive 2010 earthquake um the country is is still in shambles and the the zorican is a nickname that is given to the toyota land cruisers that the police and a lot of the foreign aid workers use to navigate throughout the city and the majority i'd say about 95 percent of this film documentary is shot within that vehicle so they have an unnamed driver who takes your who's taking the camera around and throughout you have different people popping up into the car some they just pick up off the street others were clearly invited but they don't tell you who they are they you don't know if someone's a doctor journalists, what have you. It's just through the con the conversations that they have about the state of Haiti, the government, the, the closure of schools. The, that's where you you get a, a vibrant portrait of, of what's going on. And the, the Land Cruiser itself is seen as 
a sign, almost like a status of privilege, but also a status of being the enemy because they you hear about police going around and terrorizing um, the community, you know, abusing their powers in that vehicle. The aid workers, the NGOs, even though the structures are designed for them to provide aid, as this film um, explains, it's actually creating a vicious cycle that's keeping people in poverty even further. So, you know, you, they've, they've asked the government to lack certain laws that allow them to bring in extra aid. But by doing that, you've killed any type of community-based organizations that could, that could create profit. Right, so it's essentially cutting the limb off of one tree so that this big corporate one can grow as well. And it's just it's a really interesting look at a at a nation that is at the, the at its breaking point. You know, people are rebelling in the streets. There's people homeless. There's the the poor. The driver has to navigate the roads because depending on which street you turn down, you'll just run into a blockade. You know, like blockades are just popping up everywhere. People throwing. Rock. So it's a really interesting look at the country, but it also it's done in a very stylized way, which is um, it's surprisingly not distracting because there are moments where you're clearly aware that you're watching a piece of art and almost the way how it's filmed. The fact that people just appear, it's almost like a dreamy kind of landscape where oh, someone new is in the vehicle. We don't know who they are, but they're talking about stuff, which is very, very interesting, but it, it's never distracting. It never feels pretentious. Like it's it's a really well done, well done film that that will you know remind everyone that that country is still in dire need of help and and a government that that actually works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that. Yeah, unbelievable that that can go on for so long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just it's crazy because there's one part where people were complaining about the the schools being closed, but the the money that they paid was not being reimbursed. And just the, yeah, the government there, I mean, it's Haiti. They've had decades and decades of government corruption, but there's only so much the, the people can take. Uh, I know, you know, to, before we end off, you saw School of Hope. Do you want to just offer some insight on that? Yes. Um, talking about, you know, a community rallying around a school. Um, school of Hope uh, takes place. Um, there's the the Atlas Mountains in Morocco. So um, around there is this like vast desert, and because of the climate crisis, it, there has been an extended drought for for years and years, and um, this has affected um, this tribe, this nomadic tribe that lives in that area and depends on the land. They're sheep herders. The Ulad Bukas tribe, this film is showing how they're struggling day, every day with this this crisis, this climate crisis. And, you know, they're they're struggling for the basics, like water. Uh, They have to go 40 kilometers to get dirty water uh, for their herds. And and they themselves have to drink, you know, water that is shipped in. Um, but it's like because they are sheep farmers, they don't have a lot of money. Like they don't have a lot of chance to make money. And with the dwindling, like there you have to look for grass. They have to, you know, these are like 
they, they, it sounds like I'm, I'm rhyming off like small details. It's like, no, this is like the focus of life. Um, and they have families and how are they, how are they going to continue to support those families? And the length of the drought has made it obvious that although the, the, this tribe has been living this way for generations upon generations, their children are not going to be able to continue with that, which sets up this sort of struggle within the community because how is a farmer supposed to deal with this this flock and deal with all these problems if the children don't help but a new school or at least the old school is being resurrected the arrival of a new teacher so all this comes into play when the new teacher arrives and so many people in the community they do everything possible to help the teacher to bring back the school to rebuild the broken desks the children go and then you start seeing that's when all the tensions come out. Um, the way that this film just, I'm going to use that word verite again, the way that it just hangs back and lets, think, lets us observe, uh, it captures the dynamics within the film. When the kids go to school, we know, we know that this, this tension is there between what they have to do now and their futures, what's going to happen in the future. Their parents are already struggling with what's happening now, climate-wise, and yet they go to school, they want to be teachers, they want to be police officers, they want to be doctors. And then, you know, as the film keeps going, you start to see, because the, the film starts to capture the different dynamics with different fathers and how they're dealing with the concept of going to school, uh, and the teacher having to struggle with members of the community and the children having to fight their parents and the and, and the approach of the of the the filmmaker is is what really just draws us right in and really drives home um all the points that are you know the film is trying to make uh, even with the cinematography the, the, everyone is shot against this stark these all of these stark landscapes it's like they're surrounded by stark landscapes and it, everyone is is shot against those and so you know you've got that landscape constantly coming in to play and creating a dynamic with these close-ups of these hopeful children and what happens with their hopes and dreams as the film progresses and and how the film the film ends on this sort of bittersweet can we have hope kind of note uh playing off the, the, the name of the school school of hope um so it's just it's just a phenomenal film and i it's it's better for you not to hear me describe it it's better for you to watch it and take it all in it it really is incredible yeah, and that's the beauty with hot docs, you know, especially with it being virtually a lot of people will be able to access this film and check it out and, and all the films that we've we've discussed. Yes, that yes, you're right. Absolutely. That is the good thing about hot docs this year is uh, we can just keep talking about the films because, you know, you could just, well, go, go sign up for another one because it's still it's still running. Um, it's it's a pretty incredible year for hot dogs, I have to say. You know, after after a year in a pandemic, somehow there's still cinema was still happening. 
you know, and, and this is some of the most um, dynamic cinema that that we can have, you know, never mind the blockbusters. This this stuff is real. These are real people. Um, this as inspiring as any other film can get. If sometimes I feel like it's more inspiring when you know it's real. Yep, that's true. And again, you have up to, to May the 9th to catch up on all these films and, and more. Yes. Okay. Well, so I guess that's it for Frameline for this week. Thanks for listening.